0: for us to trust in God, in theory. The theory, as it turns out, is pretty simple. It's the practice that many of us find much harder because trusting Him is something we need to do very often when the times are tough. Hi, I'm Betty Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Yep, we're going to get right down into it today. This whole trusting in God, not just in theory, but in practice. You see, there's a big difference between the theory of trusting God and actually trusting in God. In fact, it's a world of difference. So let's head into God's Word. I was recently confronted with a situation that really tested my faith. See, I don't want you to think that just because I happen to be this smooth voice on the radio that I somehow get an exemption stamp in my passport from turbulence on the journey. In fact, probably the opposite is the case. Because I'm out there sharing the fantastic news of Jesus with people around the world week after week through these radio programs... Our enemy the devil's got me in his sights. I I think I've got a target painted on my chest as far as he's concerned. So here's what's going on. There was one particular country, one of the world's most populous countries, where our team had been working really hard to get these programs onto a radio station with a huge listenership. The daily audience for the program was going to be over a million people. That's actual listeners. Hey, that's a big deal. I mean, one listener is a big deal to me. A million I can't even begin to imagine that many people. It's a big deal. We'd been working for two years on this project, including finding translators and a voice to record the messages in the local vernacular language. Quite an investment of time and effort and money. And then the day finally came when the radio network in question accepted the program and placed it in a prime time slot. Amazing stuff. We rejoiced, we gave thanks. Really, it had been a long road and so much was at stake. So many lives, so many people to hear the good news about Jesus. I mean, wow. But on the first day we were due to go to air, they told us, well, we can accept the program for the moment, but in a few weeks' time we're having a big review of all the externally provided radio programs. And we don't know what that's going to mean. When our team in that country got in touch with me to tell me the news, they were gutted. And I can understand how they felt. All that effort, and and now all of a sudden, the whole thing was up in the air again. It was devastating for them. What was going to happen? I'll share my reaction to that whole thing with you in a moment. But first, I want to go to what Isaiah has to say in a situation just like that. Remember, if you've been able to join us these past few programs, you'll know that Israel has been in slavery in Babylon for 70 years, since about 586 or 587 BC, where we pick up their story. And God comes to them through his prophet Isaiah and brings them some really good news that he's about to set them free, that they were about to return to the promised land. Whoop, you think. But just like you and me, when everything's bleak, they struggle to digest the good news. You know what it's like. When all your circumstances are screaming gloom and doom at you, it's really hard to believe that something good is actually going to happen. Even if you do believe in God, even if you have put your trust in Jesus, even if you've heard a million sermons about trusting God, when your Goliath comes stomping into your life with weapons of destruction pointed at you, believing that God is there to protect you, that God has a good plan for you, that is really, really hard. It was hard for Israel way back then. It's hard for you and me today, here and now. So here's what God has to say to his people through the prophet Isaiah. Have a listen. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 12. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. You see, they were about to leave Babylon and their slavery behind. But how is that actually going to happen, they've been wondering. Babylon, the great global world power of the day, the most fearsome and powerful of armies. Are we going to have to run for our lives? Are some of us going to be killed? What? How's this going to happen? All well and good for Isaiah to be carrying on with all this good news, but what if he's wrong? What if God doesn't show up? Have those thoughts ever crossed your mind when you're between a rock and a hard place? Well, Israel's too. And so God points back to a time when he's done exactly the same thing for them before. He's pointing back to a time in their history that every man, woman and child knows from top to bottom, inside out, back to front because it's been handed down to them from generation to generation for centuries. He's pointing back to the exodus, of course, to their escape from Egypt. Remember, they fled and God hardened Pharaoh's heart and so the greatest army of that time, Egypt, came after them. In front of them there was the Red Sea, an uncrossable body of water for a million men, women and children to cross. Behind them coming up fast was the mightiest army on the planet. Here it is, Exodus chapter 13 verses 21 and 22. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God went ahead of them. But what about the rear as the Egyptians closed in on them? Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 to 21. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt And the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near to the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. See, there it is. God went ahead of them and behind them. He led them and opened the way, and He protected them from an attack from the rear. So when he promises now, all these centuries later, to do exactly the same, what is it that he's doing? Is he asking them to rely on blind faith? Is he asking them to conjure up courage that they don't have? No. He's asking them to look back at what he's already done. That's the amazing thing with God. He never takes us to the point where we can't take it. Each challenge he comes through. And so the next time, when the challenge is bigger and scarier than the last time, he asks us to look back on what he's already done in our lives. See, we forget that each time. We forget he's already proven himself faithful and true. Oh, yeah, he did that last time. Of course, in fact, as I look back, he's always come through, he's always been there, he's always somehow, some way made it happen. Wow. And there is the bedrock of our faith this time. See, when I heard that bad news about the radio program in that country, my reaction was this. We have seen this happen so many times. Today, God has tens of millions of people listening to this very same program that you're listening to today in 160-plus countries around the world. There are so many times when we shouldn't have ended up on radio stations and yet God opened the door. He went ahead of us. There are so many times when the ministry should have folded because there weren't enough resources, but he brought up our rear. He trained me to trust him over and over again. And maybe I'm a slow learner and maybe he's got to teach me again, but he keeps teaching me to put my trust in him when I'm between a rock and a hard place because he shows up and he makes things happen. After a while, even someone as spiritually thick as me begins to get it. We don't have to listen to the theory. God plans for us to put it into practice over and over and over again. And then he shows up and he proves himself true. And he teaches us in our experience that this verse is absolutely true. For you shall not go out in haste and you shall not go out in flight. For the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. He's teaching us to stop sweating it. He's teaching us that in each and every transition and trial and temptation, that God is faithful and true. What an awesome dad. What an awesome God. I would love to be able to tell you today that I have a secret that can take all the uncertainty and change and surprises out of your life's journey. I'd love to be able to tell you that I have a secret that'll take all the wrinkles and lumps and bumps out of your life. But alas, no, I'd be lying if I told you that. There's no such thing. Every life is a journey. Every life has surprises and every life takes twists and turns that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. The sooner we get used to that truth, the better it's just not fair, I hear you say. Well, whether it's fair or unfair, whatever, the reality is that there isn't a perfect life out there. There isn't a life out there that's all peaches and cream. We kind of kid ourselves that there is. We aspire to living that sort of life. But I've been racking my brain, and so far as I know, there's not a single person who I've met in my life who can tell me that their life has been completely perfect. However, What I can share with you is the amazing truth that in the midst of the imperfections and the storms and the onslaughts and the wrinkles and the surprises and in the midst of the disappointments, the tragedies, the lonelinesses that we find ourselves in, in the midst of those things, there is an answer. There is an answer that brings joy and peace in the middle of those troubled times, a special kind of joy and peace that is only available in those difficult times. I hope you've been able to join me these past few weeks on the program because we've been talking about the huge transition that the nation of Israel faced from certainty such as it was, the certainty of their slavery and captivity in Babylon over the past 70 years to the uncertainty of God's blessing as he set out to restore their freedom and take them back to the promised land to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the wall, to rebuild the temple. It's really ironic that we're more comfortable often with an ugly certainty than a potentially beautiful uncertainty. But as we saw before the break, that's just the way it is. We are. And so through the prophet Isaiah, as we've been tracking through chapters 51 and 52 of that book in the Old Testament, we've seen God rousing his people and convincing them of the amazingly beautiful journey ahead of them back to the promised land. Isaiah chapter 52 verses 4 to 6. He says, Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to all the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out and my arms will rule the peoples. Even the coastlands wait for me and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. It's a beautiful promise of deliverance. But as we've seen, Israel has been struggling with that. So the question is, in the middle of that struggle, what's the answer? Where do we turn? Where do we find that courage and strength and peace and comfort and calmness that we need to get through the tough trials? Well, this is the really exciting bit. This is the end of those two chapters. And unbeknown to the Israelites in that sixth century before Christ, what Isaiah gives them is a prophecy, a prophecy that wouldn't be fulfilled for centuries, a prophecy about the one who would bring the comfort of God into their very midst. Are you ready for it? Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 to 53, verse 6. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, so marred was his appearance beyond human semblance and his form beyond all of that of mortals. So he shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they shall see, and that which they had not heard, they shall contemplate. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we would look upon him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And on it goes in Isaiah chapter 53. This is truly amazing. Centuries before that starry night on which Jesus was born in that stable in Bethlehem, God, through Isaiah's prophecy, tells us exactly what this Jesus would be like. Jesus, the suffering servant. Jesus, the plain, ordinary man who would bear our sin, whose suffering would set us free. Jesus, the Son of God, who would show us exactly how much this God of ours loves us. A God who not only does things powerfully for his people but a God who would come into our very midst and suffer for us. This is what sets God apart from all the other so-called gods. It's the fact that he shows up, that he walks 30 years or more in our shoes on the dusty highways and byways of life. This Jesus who understands our suffering, not merely because he is God, but because he became one of us and suffered for us and suffered like us and suffered with us, dying a terrible death. So that you and I might live. My friend, with all my heart, I tell you that this Jesus is the answer. You may be going through indescribable suffering and pain. You may be going through an exhausting or an uncomfortable transition in your life. But Jesus has been there ahead of you. And he knows how you feel, what you're going through, the pain and the loneliness. Hallelujah. God is the God who suffered for me and for you. And that is the answer. He is the answer. When you pray to God in the name of Jesus, you're praying through Jesus who knows you and your journey better than you know them yourself because he's been there. I want to leap forward now to something in the New Testament about Jesus, this Jesus who wants to bring you peace, this Jesus who wants to be your companion on this journey so that you are never, ever alone. Just before he was crucified, he said this to his disciples, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. It's the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you often. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me Because I live, you will also live. And on that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is on our journey with us. Jesus is on your journey with you. He's on my journey with me. We're not orphaned. We're not alone. We're never alone. We're never without him. Have you asked Jesus into your life? Have you called out to God in his mighty name? If you have, Jesus dwells in you. God dwells in you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you to hold you and to comfort you and to strengthen you. That's the God. That's the honest truth. And it's a truth that I would tell you with my dying breath because it's the most important truth I know. Friend, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I was recently in a little place called Lincoln, Nebraska, in the USA, the home of the global media ministry Back to the Bible, the very same ministry that way back in 1957 planted Christianity Works in Australia. And I was over there on a weekend, so I wandered down to my favourite church in that town, the Lincoln City Church. And it turned out they had a visitor speaking at the church that morning. Her name was Bo Stern, mid-40s, great communicator. But what she spoke about was something that I just didn't expect. You see, everything had been going perfectly for her and for her husband, Steve, and their family. They were a family that served and honoured God. Steve, in particular, was a great man of faith as the head of the home, and he sought to honour God with all that he was. It was all going along swimmingly, until the day Steve was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. And in an instant, Beau found herself out on a battlefield. She found herself out there in one of those places where she needed to learn how to trust God, not just in theory, but in practice. And as she remarked, don't you just hate it when people come along with glib platitudes like, oh, don't worry, dear, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose? Hey, now that's a scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. How can that be a glib platitude? Well, easy. Because when people who haven't really experienced the pain of your battlefield come along and try to drop a simple solution in your lap, it doesn't work hey, don't you get what I'm going through here? Don't you understand the ferocity of the battle, the onslaught on my family, my husband's disease? She's written a book about this journey, and it's called Beautiful Battlefields by Beau Stern. Definitely worth a read. You can buy it online. The central thesis, the big idea of this book, if you will, is this, and, and I quote from her book, Some beautiful things can only be found in the hardest times. Can you turn that idea around in your mind for a bit and let its size and scope seep in? God is for us. He is for our growth, for our joy, for our success, our maturity. And he will use every struggle we face as the delivery agents for his most remarkable gifts. Our beautiful God has hidden beauty in the soil of our battlefield. He has placed treasure there that we simply would not be able to find in another more peaceful place. Before we face this fight, I knew this in theory, but I hadn't experienced a fire hot enough to prove and refine it. Now I can say with great confidence, I own it. On good days and on bad, in war and in peace, in sickness and in health, I know in the deepest part of my heart that he is the God who brings beauty from battle. Beautiful Battlefields by Bo Stern. The power of what she's saying here lies in the fact that Beau is speaking it from her vantage point in the midst of a most terrible battle. No glib platitudes or shallow theories, just a real gritty, spirit-breathed understanding that can only come from out there on the battlefield. In that book, she grapples with issues and shares insights that'll warm your heart and strengthen your soul and fill you with hope. And my point in sharing this with you is that I think sometimes when we're going through some transition in life, from A to B, from comfortable to uncomfortable, from safe to unsafe, from certain to uncertain, we expect there to be an instant magic solution. We expect God to heal now, to provide now, to do whatever we want him to do now, while all along he holds back because there are treasures hidden in the dirt out there on the battlefield My friend, it's true on my battlefields and it's true on your battlefields. God has hidden treasures out there that you can only find because you're out on the battlefield. The treasure of knowing him in the battle, the treasure of discovering his faithfulness under fire. And I would encourage anyone out there on their own personal battlefield, you on your battlefield, to start looking for those treasures For they are treasures only available to you out on your battlefield. And when you discover them, they are truly, truly exquisite. My friend, God is with you on your journey. As he was with Israel, as he went ahead of them to lead the way and behind them to protect them, your God is traveling with you through your battle, doing exactly the same thing for you. And here's one thing for certain. In years to come, when you look back at this battle, you'll be able to see how your God has proven himself to be faithful and true. Because that's just who he is.
1: You've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimet. Before we go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This podcast is only made possible through the prayer and support of friends like you. Each week, millions of people hear about Jesus through Christianity Works radio and television broadcasts and through podcasts just like this one. Your generous gift of support today will help take the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide around the globe. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.org and click the donate button. And when you do give... Don't forget to request your free copy of this month's latest life application e-booklet. Thank you so much for your generous gift of support today. Again, that web address is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer. We'll catch you again next time.